I greet you this morning in the name of the great physician as we continue our Lenten worship series, Healing Touch. Last week, we began by talking about physical healing, and I shared how on a regular basis, we have healing services in our prayer chapel when we lay hands upon a person, anoint them with oil, and pray for them in the name of Jesus. As a part of our communion service today, there will be a separate station for anybody who would like to come forward and to be anointed with oil. They'll be at the end of each kneeler. You certainly don't have to participate, but that opportunity is present for you if you would like to do so. Today we're talking about mental wholeness. And our scripture lesson comes from Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Listen closely as we hear God's word through the Apostle Paul. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amen. My mother sewed clothes for my sister during childhood. She would take fabric, pin it to McCall's patterns, and then somehow stitch all those separate pieces into a whole garment. And it always intrigued me as a child to watch cloth, thread, and paper, along with pins, needles, and scissors, magically make garments appear. Patterns are important. They offer simple steps to a desired outcome. There's an old adage, plan your life, live your plan. Pick which pattern you want to follow, and then follow the instructions. Jesus Christ is the pattern for Christian disciples. We've heard in Romans today, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Transformation is necessary because we're sinful people living in a fallen world. The Apostle Paul says we have depraved minds that are hostile to God. Therefore, we need to be remade so that we cultivate the mind and the attitude of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians, Paul describes this process like changing clothes, taking off the old, sinful, worldly patterns, and instead donning, putting on the holy, divine patterns of God. So this morning, we're going to look at some practical ways we can go about doing so. Well, I can actually see my notes now. The first is by monitoring our thoughts, thinking about what we're thinking. The mind controls life like a pilot controls a plane. And we imagine we're sitting in the cockpit of our lives controlling what direction we're headed, except when we don't. It was back in October of 2009 that a Northwest Airlines plane overshot its destination to Minneapolis by 150 miles. The pilots were out of contact for 78 minutes on the radio. 
The Air Force scrambled F-16s in case it was a terrorist incident. The FAA later determined both the pilot and co-pilot had dozed off. We do the same. We think we're in control, but oftentimes our thoughts are controlling us. Meditation teachers have taught for centuries, millennia, that we don't control our minds very well, and they have a particular phrase to describe it. They say we have a monkey brain. Have you ever been to the zoo, watched a troop of monkeys in a habitat, and how they bound from wall to limb to wall to limb and back, chattering incessantly? That's what we're like. Our mind is just this ever-evolving monkey brain where we go from idea to impulse to emotion to topic to subject. Oh, look, a butterfly. <laughs> Squirrel. And we want peace and serenity in our world, brothers and sisters. We can't even cultivate it in our own minds. As a spiritual exercise, I encourage you this week to take one day and to think about your thinking. You can do it during the sermon if you want to. Pretend you are a court stenographer and you are taking a contemporary record of everything that's going through your mind as it happens, and I promise you it will change every five to ten seconds. I think we'll be surprised and perhaps dismayed about how many of those old worldly patterns continue to prevail in our thoughts. Of course, our goal is to have the mind of Christ. And so the second practical strategy after we think about our thinking is a twofold process to reject the negative and to cultivate the positive, to cast out those worldly ways of thinking and instead to embrace God's way of thinking. The first is by eliminating worldly thoughts that are set to the pattern about us. Uh, back in January, I did a series entitled Sunday Dinner and talked about soul food, and what are we feeding our spirits? What do we ingest? What do we digest? What books are we reading? What magazines? What TV programs and movies are we watching? What internet sites do we visit? What podcasts do we listen to? What are we putting into ourselves? There's an old programming acronym, GIGO, G-I-G-O, it stands for garbage in, garbage out. If we feed ourselves with the things of this world, we should not be surprised when worldly things come back out. I love peanut butter. It's one of my basic food groups. And it's one of those areas where I am a food snob. The only one thing I will eat is Jif's creamy peanut butter made by Smuckers. But you may remember about a year and a half ago in May of 2021, the FDA issued a recall because of a salmonella threat at Smuckers plant in Lexington, Kentucky. And they publicized the product codes and I went into our pantry and sure enough, we had not one, not two, three jars of the offending peanut butter. What do you think I did with it? I did not open it and test it just to see if the claims of salmonella were really true. I did not invite some church members over and serve them peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. 
I did not bring it to the staff break room and put it on the table because those people will eat anything. I threw it away. Throw away the worldly stuff, ingest and digest the divine offering that God gives us. Eliminate the negative and cultivate the positive. One of my favorite passages by Paul comes in Philippians 4 verse 8 where he talks about what we ought to think about. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What a high standard. What an amazing list of descriptors to talk about what we ought to focus on as God's people. The question we ought to ask is what I'm thinking, pleasing to God, and beneficial to my soul. The next step is we all need an attitude adjustment. You've probably heard that from a parent or a coach or a teacher before. You, you need a better attitude. Paul says we need the attitude of Jesus. It affects not only how we see the world, it also determines what we see in the world. It gives us a lens, a perspective through which we see God at work in the world about us. It is an old classic by Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking. I, I tell you, I'd heard about that for years. I finally read it once. I was amazed how Christian-based the book is. In fact, Norman Vincent Peale says this is applied Christianity, and the central verse he uses is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. To not be conformed to the pattern of the world, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that when we're looking, we have this perspective of Jesus. Another step is what I'm going to call Christian visualization that combines three different disciplines that all begin with the letter M. Isn't God good? Meditation, memorization, and mental imagery. Let's begin with meditation. Meditation is akin to prayer in spiritual disciplines, but it creates time and space for us to simply be in the presence of God. To empty ourselves so that we can be filled with God's Spirit. And there are a variety of ways to do that, but part of what meditation teachers focus on is breathing. We know in Scripture, in Hebrew, the word for breath is ruach. In Greek, it is pneuma. And they mean breath, but they also mean wind, and they also mean spirit. So in your breathing, you can imagine breathing in God breathing out all the stuff we need to get rid of. And there's a basic breathing pattern that most teachers recommend of four, seven, eight. Breathe in for four beats through your nose. Hold breath for seven beats. Breathe out through your mouth for eight beats. Four, seven, eight. Hold that for a moment, and let's talk about memorization. This is something I discussed last year in our Route 66 focus on reading the New Testament. We have Bibles available to us more than anyone ever has in the history of the world. 
But the way you carry the Bible with you 24-7, 365, is to memorize passages. And I know the first reaction of most people is, I'm not good at memorizing stuff. Brothers and sisters, we've all, every one of us, got hundreds if not thousands of song lyrics memorized. Song comes on the radio, you know the words. We can memorize. Use the power to begin to memorize short passages of Scripture and to recite them throughout the day and perhaps during the night. Now, take meditation, combine that with memorization. And you pick a particular passage and either entire verse or phrase by phrase or word by word, and you consider that as you breathe in, as you hold, as you breathe out. It's a practice I have picked up over the last few years. I find it transformative to my soul, and I recommend it to you. The third exercise is what I'm calling mental imagery. It goes under different names, and in some ways, it is a secular version of meditation, oftentimes practiced in the sports field. Athletes are encouraged to mentally imagine successfully doing some aspect of their sport to engage all five senses, to see themselves completing that task in an appropriate, excellent way. What physiologists are now telling us is that mental imagery helps develop muscle memory. It's not the same as, it cannot take the place of actual practice, but, and I'm going to put this in Bill Birch layman terms, it creates grooves in our brain. Jesus knew that 2,000 years ago. When he preached the Sermon on the Mount, he warned the crowds. He said, you know what? A little bit of lust is like a lot of adultery. A little bit of hatred is the same as murder. Jesus recognized that the thought is not only as bad as the deed, but the thought leads to the deed. But turn that around. How can we use mental imagery in our Christian lives by the Holy Spirit to imagine a future different than today. A future that is freed from physical addiction, illicit relationships, toxic habits, nursed grudges, overwhelming anxiety, soul-killing guilt. To be able to give those to God and to see a new future emerge Paul says that when we practice these different disciplines, an amazing thing occurs. We begin to naturally and supernaturally discern God's will in the world and in our lives. Listen again to how Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 continues. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. We, we experience that in human relationships. If you've been friends with somebody for a long time, you grew up with brothers and sisters in the same household, you've been married and you've celebrated one of the medal anniversaries, you spend enough time with people and you can pretty much predict what their attitude, actions, and words are going to be in almost any circumstance. You spend enough time with God and you intuitively begin to understand God's will. But there's another bonus to this as well. I, I discussed earlier Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. 
Paul goes on to say when we transform our minds, when we begin to think of what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, this is what happens. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So you not only get to know God's will, you discover a peace that passes all understanding. Every one of us as Christians are people in process. Salvation is both event and it as well as a lifelong journey. And we're constantly, regardless of where we are in the trip, constantly having to shed those old worldly ways of doing things and to put on God's ways of doing things. These are practical ways that we can no longer be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Let us pray. Gracious God, grant us a vision of who we are in you, of who we can be in you. By your Spirit, help us to discern the patterns of the world, to dismiss them from our lives, and to be transformed by the renewing of our minds in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.